0: you're listening to the clear creek resources podcast from clear creek community church located in the bay area of houston
1: welcome everyone to the clear creek resources podcast i'm rachel one of your hosts and i'm so glad you're listening today during our series salty sticking out for the right reasons we're discussing questions related to each sermon this week we heard the sermon love the other fight tribalism on this episode, Ryan talks with Bruce Wesley and Greg Poor about living in an age of outrage. It's a great conversation. I hope you find it helpful.
0: All right, so guys, we're in this series called Salty, and we're talking about a bunch of different topics. And this week, we're talking about tribalism. And, uh, and in this week's message, um, Greg, you, we were preaching, and we had some other guys out preaching at other campuses, mentioned that uh, people bunching up into tribes is a normal thing, right? It's a natural thing, but yet... It becomes problematic whenever we start bumping up against some of those other tribes around us and there's conflict that naturally starts to, to come up around people. Um, so that's what we want to talk about today. So as you think about tribalism, uh, what are some examples that you see going on in our culture today?
2: Oh, man. Uh, Republicans and Democrats, uh, Aggies and Longhorns. I mean, the, the reality is we, we all group ourselves up into. You know, different tribes that think like us have share interests, share passions, share uh, fears, share. We have all these commonalities. There's security in in the herd, if you will, and so we tend to retreat into groups for all kinds of things. I think what's funny these days is how, uh, partly because of social media, we have the ability now to those groups can be at such a small level, like what you like to eat or Mm -hmm. what. What movies you like or I mean, we can divide ourselves over just about anything and make a group out of it,
1: so we long to belong right, and so every everyone who sells us something. Wants us to be a community of the owners of that. So you know, mm-hmm. Susan drives a Jeep, and it's it's funny. You know, people Jeep wave. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Jeep, <laughs> they, they got a Jeep yeah. wave. Because I she drives bad. a Jeep, and yeah. you feel like, yeah. she doesn't even know it's a Jeep. She doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, the point is, anytime we buy See, something, I always
2: wonder. It's like people wave, hey, you I'm like, and I don't even like, I don't. Oh, I'm driving to Jeep guy. Now I <laughs> yeah. think. What are you assuming about me that we're such good friends that <laughs> yeah. I don't even know who you are? But he just yeah. assumes you're part of the same community. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, part of tribe. this tribe. Am I supposed yeah. to be rock climbing or what? You know, I just you know I'm driving around South Shore Harbor like everybody else. It's funny. But well, yeah. it's the
1: same way. You know, people will put a uh, like a Waterburger sticker on their car, and it's like. I guess they're saying that's my favorite burger and, you know, everyone who likes that is their favorite burger. We all belong together. We're, we're part of the same bunch somehow.
0: Yeah, certainly. I think you, you, it's a, it is the bumper sticker type of thing where you see, you know, people's affiliations and their tribes based on bumper stickers and – and it's not just an element of being for something. It's almost inherent within it to be against something. So it's like, oh, yeah. you know, if I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm a longhorn. It's not just I'm a longhorn. I'm, I'm also like, you know, anti-A&M or anti-OU or whatever it is. You know, you, your tribe comes with its own set of uh, beliefs and, you know, all these different things. And part of those beliefs is being against another group or groups.
2: Well, are we sleep, like, you know, you do triathlons, When did a bunch of triathlons. The triathlon community is a pretty tight you know Nick tribe. Group people yeah try but they also some of that is they feel like you know part of that is that there's an ego in there like we're the best athletes you know we're the most fit and then you have the crossfit community is like no we're the we're the fittest and so now we have something to argue about and we all got studies that prove we're right and there's also like peer pressure like heaven forbid you stop being a triathlete and do crossfit because now you you know betrayed one group. for this It's amazing. But we all have these, we all have passion about who we are and that means we're right and they must be somehow wrong or less or, you know, different in a negative way. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you see that even amongst Christian groups that we sort of bunch up into different tribes? Or I guess, how do you see that? Because I think we say, yes, you do see it. But how do you see that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, definitely we see it. Uh, denominations, you know, they're we're all... Uh, not all, but you know, many are Christian, even believe the same gospel if we got down to the essence of our our message. And yet, because we can always find differences between this group of Christians and that group of Christians, you know, they're not like us. And so, you know, we even have all kinds of jokes about Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians that are all peculiar to their particular set of beliefs, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely there's there's a tribe in in that sense and then you know there's the whole the larger tribe of evangelicals versus the tribe of the more mainline or even catholic you know perspectives that uh make larger tribes i guess what what about you what do you think
2: you know that's one of those things like when i first started going to church you know i was 20 or 21 and uh you know i was new and naive And I couldn't understand where I started going to church. This little church was on this road and there was like four churches in a row on that road. And I was like, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we all just have one building? And they're like, oh, no, you know, because they're Baptists and they're, I'm like, okay. But we see that we've, I don't know, we've hyper-focused on the differences and, uh, Sometimes the concerns are legitimate. I mean, there are theological yeah. issues, but sometimes it's just preference and tradition, and and we hold tight.
1: Yeah, and these days, evangelicalism, those who believe in the gospel of Jesus, theoretically, that's what that's all about, right? This community of people who believes the gospel— uh, but evangelicalism is fracturing. You know, there's a lot of conversation these days about that. Some uh, some guys that are, Acts 29 guys wrote uh, an article about that where they're identifying six different categories of evangelicals. And what they're saying is that the the church is being resorted somewhat because of the differences of these evangelicals. So, yeah, we're all one tribe, but... We, we begin to see our differences and those differences may not be um theological. You know, they may be political. And in in this case, it's uh, very often political. And, you know, people want their church to be all about, uh, you know, America and Jesus and apple pie. And they all, you know, that's the more Christian nationalism perspective. And then there's this whole group of people that, are, you know, really are saying, no, we're global Christians. As global Christians. There are people from different nations who have the same allegiance to Jesus because Jesus is our king. And so it's more about the kingship of Jesus than and, you know uh christianity in america and that creates such tension that we see not just the tribes but we see uh the the division of where there should be unity there's great division and, and these tribes are really uh driven by the i would say the the negative edge the thing that makes people mad
0: uh, more so than the positive side of what they believe in
1: yeah that's really helpful
0: so why do you think that is the case? I mean, you think about, like, what's going on inside our hearts where we don't just, you know, find a group of people that we have some natural affinity with, that we actually have to be against something else. we become adversarial. I mean, even, you know, Greg, you're, you know, tell a story about, um, you know, going to an Astros game yeah. and with a Cardinals hat and people, yeah. you know, <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff to you. Yeah. So,
2: Am I allowed to tell yeah, that Yeah, tell or? the story. yeah, I so, want to, hear yeah, the story I went to an before get Astros game. It. With uh, Greg Penner back in the day, it was a playoff game, I think. No. Anyway, Zastro's Astros played the Cardinals. I had a Cardinals hat on now. I'm in there with Penner. So we get out in the parking lot, and this gentleman saw my Cardinals hat, and I think he had a few too many, but he was very upset by this. Oh, Cardinals hat. Well, let me show you. And he says, I'm going to pee all over your car. So he turns around and starts relieving himself on this tire, and he looks at me. He's like, what do you think of that? And I'm like. It's not my car. I don't care. <laughs> but he felt, you know, he felt enough enmity there that he was going to relieve himself on my vehicle. So. Yeah. So, what do you think
0: is going on in his heart or in anyone's heart who sort of bunches up in these different tribes and have these adversarial relationships with other people and other groups?
2: You know, I I I've seen this. You know, I don't know. I think the Lord wires you up certain ways. But if you if you look at if you go through the the New Testament and look at um Almost all of Paul's sin lists, if you will, all the places where he points out, you know, he lists these adjectives that describe how broken men are. Um, so many of them are relational, you know, gossip, slanderers, you know, uh, murderers. And so I just think that part of the, our brokenness, part of our sin that dwells in us uh, fractures relationships. We are bent. We are bent to be at odds with other people in the same way that our sin makes us at odds with God. We just can't help it. And so, um, we find reasons. Hmm. Yeah. It's
1: funny how we're created in the image of God. We long to be with God. If, if there is a tribe we want to be a part of, it's the kingdom of God, right? So, I mean, we, that that's a, probably a beautiful attraction that we have. And yet, our sinfulness does um, make the ugliest thing out of tribalism or, or mm-hmm. you know, it makes the ugliest thing out of our differences. So it's this, this pointing out of differences in a way that is accusatory and blaming and hate-filled um, because I guess we're, we're seeking some sense of validation or being better than another.
2: Yeah. yeah I think when we're you know when your identity is is outside uh, the story of God and how you're part of his story then every then everybody that's different than you is a is a threat right they're they're a competitor they're or they're in some way um, you know you're denying that what you think or do is valid and so you're just' it's, that's why people struggle with anxiety because everybody's an opponent. And so, uh, yeah, we we just we just have tension with everyone because we can't help it because we we have no choice but to focus on how. If let's, let's face it. I mean, whatever, whatever you are, especially if say you're a Christian, like there's probably about however many how many people are there on the planet, like four billion people that don't agree with you, <laughs> you know. And so we retreat to the group of people who do agree with us and find some sense of security in that.
1: Yeah, you bring up identity, and I think that's such a, a root issue here, you know, when we find our identity... As Christians, if we find our identity in being a part of a group other than the people of God, if we find our identity in being something other than, you know, a Christian, and, and we all do, right? There are varying degrees, uh, but when when our politics rises above our faith, or, you know, even our our sports team rises above our faith... Now we literally are, are ready to shed blood over those differences. Um, our, our brokenness, which we all have, becomes exacerbated by this identity uh, challenge that we, that we have. And so um, people who get really, really angry over things that seemingly are not that big of an issue, right, um, which happens all the time on social media. I, I always want to ask, so why are you so mad? And I think in most cases, people probably can't tell you why they're so mad. But I think if you get down to the real issue, they're so, they're so flippin' mad because what someone else said actually threatens their sense of identity because they, they questioned some sh- should be lesser identity, but some identity marker in their life, uh, and therefore it's a, you know, it's a threat to their life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, trying to find—I think our search to be a part of a tribe is part of, yeah, the search to find our identity because, you know, some people are searching that out. And so if there's a threat to it, then, yeah, it's not just a threat to my tribe. It's to the identity that I've been trying to form by being part of this group. So do you think this is more a recent phenomenon or do you think it's been hmm. going on for a while? I mean, you mentioned social media and things like that. Like, I mean, how would you—how long has this been happening
2: uh, forever. Yeah. yeah. But I think, I do think these days it's just easier, right? There's more ways to identify yourself with a group, you know, on media and stuff like that. And so I just think it's much more visible. And I do think our culture is much, I mean, I don't know, we're just in a season where it's the thing, right? We just, you're, everybody's going to fight. Every, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Well, I'm good. You're bad. You know, I'm holy and you're evil. And... That's just, boy, I don't know, that's just uh it's the trend of our society right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's as old as time, but, but it's, uh, everything's compressed and everything's expressed. Hmm. So you think about how everyone's opinion gets posted for people they don't even know to, to see on social media and, um and the political vitriol is such that, you know, if you, if you disagree with me, you're, you know, you're crazy, you're an idiot, you're un-American. Um, and again, all of that just gets inflated with, with social media. I, th- I think the thing is interesting, uh, we're, you know, recording this, what is today Tuesday? Yeah. And, uh, so just, uh, a couple of days ago on 60 Minutes, the whistleblower from Facebook you know, came out saying that all these internal documents at Facebook uh, say that the intent of Facebook is – of the algorithms is to stir up anger because people, if, they st- if they're angry, they stay on longer. So if we can keep people angry, they stay on longer and we make more money and of course facebook's denying that but that's what this whistleblower is saying and uh, i think when you th- when you think there's some design to even help make it worse it is
0: um it's really frightening absolutely <laughs> Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit uh, a while ago, even when we had the Faith in Technology series, I and mean, I think we probably had at least one or two podcasts talking about like the social network that was on Netflix, and just uh, you know, the algorithm is designed to uh, bring those things up to the top, it incentivizes people to, to do that. I mean, I, I read a, an article recently from Cambridge University that published this summer that just said that anytime someone is posting something about politics or anything like that they will get twice as many likes and shares they get more incentivized to say something negative about what someone else believes rather than something positive about what they believe so uh, it's better to slam somebody than it is to actually argue for what you're for so it's just interesting to think about yeah
2: yeah well the troubling thing to me is that you know as a follower of christ as followers of christ it seems like uh we should be able to live above that. I mean, we shouldn't be tossed around as you know, as Ephesians four were like by every wave of cunning and every scheme. I mean, it just throws us back and forth. But that's what that sounds like to me. It's like people are just being worked, mm-hmm. and which is the way of the world, right? So, but as a follower of Jesus, I should I should have an anchor, right? I should have an identity that that I find security in that I don't have to be controlled or manipulated or um played, you know, against against everybody else because of what I think about a certain thing because I can rest in who I am and what I know is true, um and find a place from there to respond differently to people who disagree with me than than the world does today. I mean I got room to grow like everybody else, but I think that's who we want to be, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you talk about that like there's a macro view and a micro kind of expression of this. Talk about that some.
2: Well, I think this is just, this is just the way my brain works. But I think we it's easy to look at the media does this and the, you know the political parties do all these people. Uh, you know they take all these uh, positions that cause problems, but really the problem is in my own heart. Like I'm not secure in my own identity in Christ, or I'm not satisfied with it. And so I've set my hope on all these worldly things or fleshly things, um, and so when, compete, when people are different, they're they're threatening the things that I really have my hope in. That they're threatening the things I really want to do, and so the things that God calls me to do. And so I think part of all that stuff, really, we we just use it to deflect from the sinfulness in our own heart. Right. This is this is about. Well, Christ calls you to respond to other people in a certain way. He doesn't, he doesn't talk about what CNN does or what Facebook's doing. It's like, here's how you deal with different people, you know? Yeah. And so I think we just, it's its easy to talk about all them out there so we don't have to look in the mirror.
1: So it comes down to what we do with the phone that's in our hand or the computer that's in our lap. Yeah. I mean, it. well, I guess it starts with the anger in our heart. But, yeah. you know, can we... Can we find a way
0: to not uh, begin to express all that anger yeah. just because we have an avenue?
1: Yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting, <laughs> to even think about almost every topic in this series, whether it's materialism or consumerism, tribalism, like, no one no one likes those things, right? We all would say, like, yeah, that that's a bad thing, and everybody else does that. And really what you're saying is like, yeah, no, but that's, we have to look at our own hearts because yeah. we're just as tribalistic as, as anybody else. Like, so it's a message for us as well. It's not just like, oh, great. They're preaching on tribalism. I hope that like, they really get those other people.
2: Yeah. You know, that's a tribalistic in, statement <laughs> in my gospel care class. Cause I, this, I just remember when, you know, you know, John says, John was like truth and grace came through Jesus. So Jesus came with grace and truth. He didn't just come in truth, and he didn't just come in grace and truth. But the but the way Jesus communicated the truth about who God was cost him, cost him his life. That's so why I tell people, you know, that's why it's hard to be a follower of Jesus, because to tell the truth the way God told the truth, it costs you everything. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have your ego. You don't get to have your way all the time. You don't get to have everybody in, you know, love your image and, you know, you're actually, you're going to be the odd man out. But it's like, so you can tell the truth. So when you think you're on Facebook and you're blitzing somebody because you're telling them the truth, you know, telling the truth, it's like, well, that's not, that's not the same thing. Mm. Because Jesus didn't separate grace and truth. He came in both, and he died. That's the greatest part. So there's something about truth that, God's truth, that uh, includes the death of the truth teller. And we just don't want to die to any of that stuff. We'd rather fight.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think some people think, I think I'm saying the same thing you are, that they think that by standing up for the truth that they're doing the right thing. But uh, in standing up for the truth, they have abandoned humility and chosen the way of the proud. You know, I'm not going to let someone get away with that, or I'm not going to let someone... Um, you know, um,
0: push me over.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna fight I'm gonna back, fight
2: for God. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is interesting. I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember reading some study that talked about how, um, how. I don't remember what it was. It's something how like you, you don't change people's minds on, on social media, how like people are, are least likely to change their mind or whatever. I, I don't remember what it was, but it's something like, basically, I got to go fight for God. But the reality is the way that the social media is and how people treat it is you're more likely to be speaking into an echo chamber than you are to actually change somebody else's mind who thinks differently than you. And uh, I, so it's almost
2: I don't think it's, anybody's it's ever been argued into the kingdom of heaven. Right. You know? Je- it's like Jesus... It so love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you to so be sons of the Father. What's it? Well, he makes, you know, sunrise on the evil and the good, you know, sends rain on the just and the unjust, however that text goes exactly. But it's like, that's what God does. He's good to everyone. And mm-hmm. so uh, even his enemies. And so if you be like that, because that's your identity, you're sons of the Father. So be like your father. And so you don't ever Jesus never compromise the truth we don't have to compromise the truth, but uh we owe we owe the other guy what Jesus told us to to love him we owe him that we owe him to love him the way God loves him and so uh man if we if we start to be more uh passionate about going about truth with grace the way Jesus describes in that text, for instance then uh at least as far as in the church, maybe some of this stuff could start to simmer down.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bruce, you mentioned that it's, it's almost like we, there's competing identities, right? So what are, for at least for followers of Jesus, like what are those, um, those identities that are most prevalent or they're the, the most attractive thing for, for people to, to grab hold of as a competing identity today?
1: As the competing identity or the Christian side of that identity?
0: For for followers of Jesus, what are the the competing identities of of the day that Um, people should be aware of and look out for?
1: Man, there's so many. Uh, If you think about the very things that we consider to be idols in our culture, all of them have an identity. So if uh, if money is an idol, then the, the... being that person who's successful and has all the markers of success would be an identity that goes along with that, right? Or if um, being smart is so important to you because you're, you know, you're an academic or you just read a lot or whatever, and you always want to be considered smart, then that's another kind of identity. So really, it's it's whatever the uh, the uh, idol of the culture is, kind of shapes. That those identity markers. Did you have some in particular? No, tips? I just
0: thinking about like the the, um, the tribal identity. So I mean, like, how are Christians guilty of tribalism today? Like, what's what's the thing that is most alluring? I mean, yeah. you mentioned politics earlier, and. You know, th- right. things like that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different affiliations, tribal affiliations people have today that, you know, some of them are somewhat trivial, like that might be a sports team, even though it can obviously go, you know, cross some lines, you know. But what are the things that really, it, it, it threatens people's, um, their Christian identity of saying like it, it almost, and at times, maybe even dethrones Jesus. I mean, I don't want to say, you know, accuse somebody of that, but like what, what are the, the bigger threats for people?
1: Well, I mean, we've mentioned politics already, but I think especially coming out of the last couple of years, I, it, it seems that's one of the most prevalent is, uh, and, and, you know, maybe people wouldn't boil it down to something so, so simple as, you know, red or blue, you know, Republican or Democrat, but uh, being, you know, conservative or Uh, You know, a constitutionalist or I mean, there are some more nuanced versions of that or uh, people who who think government should care for the people or, you know, however they characterize it so that then they take on the identity of being the the rescuer or the defender uh, as opposed to just, you know, carrying a, a, a political moniker of some kind.
0: So what's the antidote? Like, how how should Christians live their life in a way so they don't fall into these tribalistic things that are just lesser identities? They I mean, they might still identify with certain groups or opinions, uh, affinities, but yet don't let those reign supreme over their, their hearts.
2: Yeah. When I was talking about this in the message, you know, the text is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, you know, and Paul says... Uh, he starts off talking about identity, you know. That if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So you're a new creation. So set apart, no longer fleshly, you're this new creation. And then he emphasizes that we've been uh, our redemption. So we needed to be redeemed. Like, don't ever forget that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these people that you're so, you know, opposed to, you you're you had the biggest enemy there is. You were enemies of God. And he he reconciled you to himself through his death and so uh and because he did that, uh, the text is like, "You have a new job now you're supposed to be an ambassador for Christ, so your message is his message as a as a follower of Jesus, you don't have your own message. An ambassador takes the message of the one who sent him, and so I think, man, just think how different would you respond to people if you really thought um God is making His appeal to that soul through what I say and do in my relationship with them, because that's what the text says. Does God, you know, we implore you, you know in Christ bed, be reconciled to God, that God is making His appeal through us. So it's like if you really believed that that's what was happening with all these people that even that you very much disagree with, the same way Jesus walked with all the people that very much disagree with Him. If God is making His appeal to that soul through what I say and do, I think it might. And that's the most important thing because that's who I am. It might change the way we respond, right? I mean, it would change the way it would change the way I respond <laughs> <laughs> yeah. many times. And so,
1: yeah, I think that's rich. I, I think in some practical expressions of that is uh, you know if if we're really embracing our identity as children of God, we're ambassadors for Jesus' sake, then we would stop finding our security in in labels you know or um, just tribal points of view and i think we'd really work hard at listening to people you know instead of because isn't that the behavior of tribalism you know it's it's great to have a tribe it's it's dark when you get into tribalism and you question everybody else just because they're in a different tribe and so if if we're going to carry the name of Jesus and we're the ambassadors for Jesus then a a practical expression of that being an ambassador is we we're going to carry the message but we're also going to listen because if you look at what Jesus did with people he didn't you know he didn't come to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him and so quickly we'd move toward more of a listening posture and and not just surround ourselves with the echo chambers, you know. I just think about how people uh, can tend to only listen to the same group of people and the same source of news, and they keep just get getting reinforced in the same ideas all the time. And it's not that the ideas are bad. It's just that they, they're they not acknowledging that we are sent to people who have a very different point of view. So we're sent to love them and to listen to them and to bring them a new message, a different message. And you can't do that from an echo chamber. You got to do that, you know, in flesh and blood in real relationships and, um, having real conversations.
2: Hmm. I do think there's a, you can't substitute interacting with other human beings. And I do think that's, if there's a negative side, so I'm old and so maybe I think this way, but I do think if there's a negative side to all the social media stuff, it really just provides a platform for people to be hateful and ugly, and there's no consequence for that, right? You're not you're not in the presence of someone, and so uh, you know Jesus didn't pronounce things for money. He he came here to walk among us and and listen and talk and teach and ask questions and answer questions, and uh, he really he understood the human condition. He understood sin. He understood the. Environment that produced the way we respond sinfully. He he engaged in all that so he could have compassion on us. And so I think, I man, I just think that many times I sit in my office and talk to someone who's who's got a lifestyle that's you know crazy. It's destructive and harmful. Or, or they, were in all, they find themselves in all the situations. But you listen to them for an hour, and at the end of the hour. Instead of wanting to point your finger and rage at them, you're you're crying with them because your heart is broken, because you you connect with someone's experience and it it changes the way you respond to them, and you don't have that experience from behind your keyboard, mm. and so I think, you know, you just have to, like Bruce just said, it just takes face to face. You have to spend time with people, and uh, it's not easy, uh, but it, it will. It will soften your heart.
1: Yep. They're no longer the label. They're no longer whatever the label is. Uh, or they're no longer the other tribe. They're this person with a name and a life and pain and need. And So, yeah. That that makes all the difference.
0: Absolutely. Well, and you think about how the gospel is what reconciles us. You know, so we're talking about tribes, and you see when when tribes are mentioned in the New Testament, especially in the Book of Revelation, you see you know this host of you know people from every tongue, nation, and tribe. And tribe is used differently than what we're talking about. We're talking about more just like people who are like you and think like you, but how the gospel. Unites people and reconciles people, and so that's how you know you look across the the multitude of people who are worshiping Jesus for all eternity in the Book of Revelation. It's all these different tribes because that's really what is the ultimate uniting thing. So I mean, the you know the natural propensity for humans to group up and to be, be with people who are like them. It's like the gospel is actually trying to, to draw those people together to unite people, even in our differences and to understand someone else's perspective and to ask questions and to know their heart and to see another human soul that, that God loves and that you are called to love as well. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful picture. It is. And if we could live it out, if I could live it out, then we would be fulfilling what, what Jesus calls us to do to be his ambassador. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully we can do that. <laughs> we'll grow in that, but I appreciate you guys having this discussion. Absolutely.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.